Running sales, promotions, and discounts is something almost every store does. And there's no promotions app more advanced than bold discounts. It's the easiest way to set up and automate a sale without coupon codes. Think of bold discounts as your store's advanced sale engine. The amount of flexibility in this thing is wild. Listen to this. You can choose whether or not coupon codes are allowed during a sale. It supports smart deal stacking. Let's say you've got overlapping promotions. The app will automatically choose the best offer between the two. And I love that you can add custom HTML to products on sale. So this is great for easily and automatically adding wording to your products like clearance sale, all sales final, etc. They've even added new sales icons and countdown timers. So now if you're running a store-wide sale, you can add their countdown timer in your header, homepage, wherever you want. No coding needed. And that's just scratching the surface of stuff it could do. So if you're looking for a way to automate sophisticated sales in your Shopify store, maybe for flash sales or upcoming holidays, Bold Discounts will get you up and running within seconds. And as an unofficial Shopify podcast listener, Bold is offering you their discounts app free for two months. To get this special offer, go to kurtelster.com slash bold, and you'll be able to install it from there. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Right. All right. We have big updates and more news about previ- a previous topic we've been going over on this uh, show that is of interest to all of you. The new Mario Golf stinks. Oh, it's no. Not good. It's not good. I'm very disappointed. Uh, it wrecked my summer. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a big summer. Uh, and the worst thing that's going on during the summer is the new Mario Golf is bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Get new sounds, by the way. I'm not. No, I'm just committed to the old You're sounds. Committed to the same five. I was trying to get some sounds uh, a week ago, and you're like, "You gotta give it up." I was like going through the soundboard because I gotta wade through tremendous garbage just to get these like six good ones. You need new ones. No, please, God. Yeah, I have headphones now, so I can hear this garbage. I don't know why I put these headphones on. <laughs> What are we discussing today in the unofficial <laughs> Shopify podcast? Uh, how Mario Golf switched from three-button hits to swing to two-button hits. And no, it really wrong simplified. show. God damn it, I want that show. No, you that's your own show. You go start that. Today, we're going through, uh, we're playing 20 questions with our Facebook group of Shopify merchants. Yes, we posted yet another call for questions, an, an AMA, and uh, got some good questions, and this time... We even went through the effort of grouping them. Yeah. They are loosely grouped together in two topics. Oh, aren't I fancy? Sure. You know, the more you knock me down, the worse this gets. I've seen what happens to you when you get too confident. 
and I don't like hanging out with that guy. <laughs> so I got to keep you, you know, I got to keep you down. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> All right, my job here is just to keep knocking you well, down. you know, it's like my girl, she holds me down, like, you know, kind of like that. I just want to. That hold. meant support. But, uh, you know, it's keeping you grounded. No. Yeah. That's not what that means. I don't want you to get lost in the sauce. Oh, well, okay, that I appreciate. See, there you go. Thank you. Okay. Uh, do we have uh, any other non sequiturs and off uh, topics, or do we want to? No, online store 2.0. Uh, Matthew Stewart wants to know, I started with Shopify eight months ago. Uh, I have just been using a debut and want to upgrade. Should I wait for 2.0 themes to come out and just, or just get turbo right now? Uh, you could roll with Dawn right now. Um, I think, right? Yeah. Or he have to, how do you get it? Is it available on the app, on the theme store now? Cause he already has an existing store. Well, I know, like, 100%, you just go get it from GitHub. Yeah, he could download the zip from GitHub and then upload the zip file like any other theme he would have purchased. It's the yeah. same thing he would have to do if he bought Turbo. But I know as of, like, some date that may or may not have already passed, I'm not, like, spinning up new Shopify stores outside of, you know, my, my partner account. I don't know if that's the default currently. It is. It is? Yes. Okay. And we talk. you talk to some people who know things. Yes. In terms of turbo timelines. So currently, with as far as I know, with the exception of Dawn, no theme is fully online store 2.0 compatible. Okay. That's where we're at right now. But that's what everybody's working toward, obviously. Shopify's deadline is everybody's got to do it before January 1st. The theme, de- the theme developers have to... Their th- you're, you can't be releasing new themes that aren't 2.0 after January 1st. Yes. All right. But we know themes are going to start showing up with 2.0 support probably next month. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what the right answer is. He said I've just been I've been using debut theme and I want to upgrade. Why? Should I wait for the 2.0 themes to come out or just get turbo now? If you're not happy with debut because you think it's not enough. I'll be honest with you. Dawn is also not going to be enough for you. That's true. Dawn is bare bones. So you could buy Turbo now. I'm sure they will give you. I'm not. I can't say I'm sure. I don't know. They're generally very good at updating their themes out of the sandbox. And you get updates for free. And you get the theme updater tool, which you can pay for. So if you bought Turbo now, my bet would be they would let you. You would just upgrade it when they upgrade it. A, yeah, that's a, a safe, if you don't poke safe at assumption. It. If you don't poke at it too much and you're not making a bunch of code changes. In which case, you could still update it, but uh, good luck. Good luck. It's going to suck. Uh, yeah. Can I drop, should I drop a hot take right now? Uh, you don't need to rush to upgrade. I agree. You're not gaining a lot. I would wait. You're honestly not really gaining a lot. Well, because the, the, uh, the 2.0 theme editor... That's just live now. Yeah. Everybody got that. And the new meta field stuff. Meta field support you just get. You just get. And like writing meta fields in the code, which again, you're not doing. The store owners listening to this. Um, So what do you care? What you see between having Turbo now and what you're going to have in Turbo in six months, who cares? The, I don't know, it's so close. It's right around the corner and you're already surviving on debut. I would wait and just do it right. And get the full features. Because even if it's the stuff you're not like uh, going to use all the time or 100% going to use, you still want app sections. You're going to want that that support going forward. I view it as future-proofing. You're viewing it more as like, well, I'm not that committed 
Like, is all this is all the waiting worth just getting you know sections? Yeah, you're gonna want to you're gonna want to be on it because you're gonna want to be current and not be on a deprecated old system. So like, at some point you're going to have to transition to it. I'm seeing the mindset of well, I gotta get across that finish line because I gotta get access to all these great new features. Eh, slow down. Yeah, because it's not gonna make a big material difference. Yes. Yeah, you could upgrade. You're getting, most of the uh, you can re- the gains you're gonna get from getting away from debut or dawn to like a really big, fancy, extensible, customizable theme is really just because you switch themes. Yeah, not going because from you dawn, got those additional features. Yeah, going from dawn to turbo, like you're going from like three to ten. The transition from turbo now to turbo three months from now is going from ten to eleven. It's like yeah. okay, it's fine. Yeah, like look, I've been driving around this Toyota Yaris. I really I'm gonna pull the trigger, you know, on my my new Tesla, but do I just the 2022 is right around the corner? Do I wait? That's yeah. essentially what's going on here. It's like most of the gain is coming from the upgrade to a premium theme, not necessarily that you waited for these extra features. Yeah, yeah. You can roll whatever anyone listen to this, whatever you got right now, you and if you're happy with what you have right now, just roll with it through Christmas. It's fine. Yeah. There's nothing where it's like, oh, I only made. I could have made an extra $100,000 if I only had that new theme over on Black Friday. It's That's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's like um, administration, CMS, quality of life improvements for managing it more so than like act revenue generating on-site stuff, exactly. I think, is what's going on here. Exactly. Okay. We, we spent a lot of time on this do I upgrade question because I think a lot of people are wondering it. The other thing... Uh, we've been hearing that goes along with do I upgrade is, hey, should I be looking at headless solutions? Because it sounded, when we listened to Shopify Unite, it sounded like that they're embracing headless as a potential option for merchants. That's that's what I got out of that. And so Clifford asks, well, what's the big difference between headless e-commerce versus e-commerce? You know, quite confused because some of the big Shopify stores are talking headless. Shopify Plus was talking up headless. I assume he's referring to Unite. Um, and, yeah, what in the heck is the difference? What is a headless e-commerce store? Uh, I've been thinking about it, and I think the way of putting it is uh, a normal Shopify store is on Shopify. Whereas yeah, a, purely on Shopify. Whereas a headless Shopify store uses Shopify. And the way I mean that is... You're built, a normal store is built on Shopify within the Shopify theme editor using Shopify themes. Um, There's the whole Shopify, there's the systems liquid that work on your theme, on your store when you log into the Shopify backend. Headless Shopify is you are building an entire e-commerce store from scratch. The whole website idea is a from scratch website, but then it uses various APIs, JSON, GraphQL type stuff to call into Shopify to run sort of the e-commerce part back end. But, you know, like every page you see, like the layouts, how the variants work and all that sort of stuff, you're writing all of that from scratch. Okay. So if we, Shopify has uh, this hub and spoke model is how it's been uh, designed for years in that Shopify itself is an admin tool for running retail. And I have then different channels I could plug into it. 
your online store is just one of those channels. Yeah, Shopify POS. Uh, and point of sale, and yeah. then like I could plug in marketplaces into it, right? So online store is just one piece of uh, of your sales, of these orders coming through, of all this stuff. And the idea is simply, hey, we don't necessarily have to use Shopify for that online store channel. Maybe I need something really bespoke because I've got some some unusual requirements or I just want to develop my develop it myself because I'm fancy or I just I want it to be bleeding edge fast and I don't want to have to wait for Shopify to develop it. I'm just going to do it myself. Oh, Shopify's now saying, "Hey, not only can you do that, we'll support you in that effort and you know plug in whatever solution you want." And so there's store like Nomad, um, Beard Brand, those are the two I'm familiar with. Pretty sure Chubby's is. I wouldn't. I don't know, but I also would not be surprised. I think Chubby's is because Chubby's. We were looking at Chubby's for someone this week, and they have a wild setup where every like size of a pair of shorts is its own product, but then they all have like different variants. So if you click on the sizing thing, it actually takes you to a different product page. You know, a lot of a lot of stores have that. Where, yeah, and Chubby's implementation is really cool. Yeah, where the variant, where the where the variant selector on the product page is actually links to entirely different products on the store. Uh, um, so I mean, it's really headless is for if you are crazy and you have crazy needs of exactly you know you, maybe you want to like you need to like build products like you have like a product bundler like people are throwing things into boxes with like ten different random items and you got to like keep track of all that. I mean, if you're getting really really hardcore. And you have a thing that is not working currently on Shopify. Um, and really, it's it, in many instances, in most of these instances, I think it's um, it's Shogun front end is really what they're using to power hmm. to replace the online store channel in Shopify. And then to modify that, then you need to have a React developer on Retainer. Yeah, I mean, then that's the other thing is I mean, I don't even know what we would charge if we were trying to do a headless setup. Like we've never done it before. I've never done it. But like. It would not be crazy for us to be like, well, that's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. No, you're moving into it's you're really like you I wouldn't be moving I wouldn't be considering it until you're like, look, I really I'm feeling the limitations of online of Shopify's uh traditional online store channel. And okay, once you'll know when you're feeling it and then it's time to move to uh headless. And I think it might be Ali Alpin who is asking our next question. He's been uh, on he the just show. wanted further detail. Yeah, he asked about, and I look, and he's like, "Well, we're we're really thinking about headless." And he sells, he has two SKUs journal store. Yeah. He sells two journals, and you know, hey, I mean, it's a free country. Ali can do with his business whatever he wants. Uh, Ali, I'm sorry, Ali can do whatever whatever he wants with his business. But I think him going headless is way overboard. Like, it, I would have advised against it. Like, I don't, you don't need that. You don't need that giant capital outlay and continual capital outlay because anything you want to do with the st on the store, you're not doing well, I think that. You've got to have a guy who is in your business that does it. The moment you're phrasing the question as, do I go headless? And then there's no follow-up. You know, I, the answer is no. If it's, I want to go headless because I, you know, honestly, my team prefers React. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's great. I want to go headless because... I just need bleeding edge performance. All right, that's going to be. I would say you maybe don't need it that bleeding edge if you're like, because the again the capital outlay, continual capital outlays required is like okay, you're making millions of dollars a year, so now you should do this. Okay, we could talk. Yeah, 
But if you're not, I mean, if you're not doing millions of dollars a year in revenue, you should never think, you shouldn't even think about headless. I think we need someone who's done it, who has a headless store, and who wants to talk us through it yeah. as a guest. Okay. That's on you. Yeah. Eric for Beard Brand would be good. One of the guys from Nomad Goods. He's been on the show before. Yeah. And I mean, again, like Nomad Goods, they have a bunch of crazy stuff on their product pages. That's probably a lot easier to maintain. You know, Sections Anywhere is a helpful move towards that direction. But to have these like special bespoke pages for every single different product on the store type of thing. I mean, you could do that in Shopify, but it's unwieldy and a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Whereas headless, you could figure out different solutions for it. Uh, our our next and last online store 2.0 question for the day. And Thea Digby Smith, the new meta fields. What are they? How uh, what are they, and how would I use them? Give me an example. Uh, I have an example. Uh, it will might be live when you hear this, but. For Black Diamond Coatings. BlackDiamondCoatings.com. BlackDiamondCoatings.com. I'm doing a new product page for them. And so some of the little things we have on that page is like we have a product video. Uh, We're going to have like a before and after comparison of after you apply the Black Diamond Coating to your patio. And the way I set that up is um, you go to your settings on your store, you know, where you had like files and your account and all that sort of stuff, there's going to be a new area called Meta Fields. We did a video on this. You should find the video. Kurt will link to it in the show notes and you could watch it and I walk you through it. Um, so you go into Meta Fields and you create a Meta Field that's like a product video. And so now that's a Meta Field and that will appear. There'll be a, f- there'll be a field on every product listing on your back end that along with all the other old ones like Descript title, description, price, vendor, all that sort of stuff. There'll just be a new one that's just product video. And then you could upload a video onto that, into that. And then you need someone to go in the code on your product page and put in the liquid to call that meta field. It's like product.metafield.myfields.video. So traditionally in Shopify, I had a description field yeah. for a product. Yep. And let's say I had a tab description. Yeah. Right. So I've got like details, size guide, instructions. instructions. Okay. How do I then populate the other tabs that aren't the the straight description? And the, that was always an issue. Like, where am I going to store this? And meta fields were an option, but like you had to install an app to do it, and you essentially had to like go manage it separately. This is native support for meta fields, which were there the whole time in the background quietly. But now I like a. So when I picture this, I'll have like my, you go on a, I'm editing a product on my admin. It goes title, description, and now I've got other bonus fields I could just define. It's all the way at the bottom. But yeah, I've got. But it's there. Yeah. Yeah. So I could just scroll down to the bottom of that page and now, oh, here's one, you know, meta field named um, size guide. And so I can link to my size guide. And so you add, yeah, you upload the JPEG probably you have of the size guide, like the image of the size guide, and you just put that in there and then. You or someone who edits your pages for you goes into the page template and puts that in where it should go on the page. But now every single, you just had to write it in the code once. And now you, the store owner, you, whenever you create a new product or change your products, you just upload the appropriate size guide for that product into the product itself. Cool. Yeah, it's really good. And it did that with the video, um, the before and after on Black Diamond. They're just going to upload a before image and then an after image and then it'll auto populate and all set up. 
So, I mean, that's really good. It's a way of having different uh, content for different products, but still only having one product template. So you're not running into the problem that uh, Keysmart had, uh, where Keysmart has these great, awesome, bespoke product pages, but they have 80 different page templates in their back end, and they're a bitch to manage. Yeah, and so Metafields is one uh, solution around that. Anyway, uh, Metafields are cool, and your friendly neighborhood uh, Shopify expert should be able to leverage them for you in a very easy fashion. Yes. Oh, yeah, what's nice about Metafields, they're re- they're not at all, if you're a theme developer at least, they're very easy to implement. Yeah. So if you're like, well, it's a, you know, I, I want to do it, it sounds neat, but I don't want to mess with theme code, you really should not have difficulty finding a theme developer who can assist you with this. Yeah, who could just whip it out. I yeah. mean, and, it, and it's really powerful. Like, they get to have a different video on every single product now in, like, a different comparison slider guy and all these different content areas on every product page it can be different on every single product page and they get to maintain that from the individual product listing in the admin it's great now one thing that we we don't know because we haven't tried it yet is in shopify sometimes for bulk updates i just want to export all my products as a csv and re-import them and that's just native feature in shopify but previously meta fields didn't come with that i had to go get a separate app to do that do you think meta fields are going to show up in that product csv now i hope so we should have checked that before we started recording. Yeah, I really honestly I don't know. I haven't heard, but <laughs> but yeah, that's the one thing. Like you know, we did a lot of this crazy stuff, uh, but we did it triggered by tags, and so when then you imported and exported the products, the tags would come along with it. So I would certainly hope if as we transition to metafields that the metafields come along with it. Yeah, because if but not, he, that's gonna suck. <laughs> well, because then yeah, you'd still be back to like, well, I still have to go get a metafields editor app to do it. Which, I know, maybe it's in, like, Metafield settings. I don't know. i got to look into this. Uh-huh. Um, okay, we had several questions, and a lot of questions are people are asking this right now, about uh, what's up with my Facebook ads. A lot of people are who were previously successful with Facebook ads are now seeing their return on ad spend dwindle, and that's scary for people. I, I totally get it. So we're, I'm seeing this question come up a lot in our group, just in discussions, people asking me. And... Number one, you're not alone. And the issue is uh, iOS 14's privacy focus broke a lot of uh, Facebook's algorithmic tracking of people. And so we have a a question here uh, from uh, Sue Gila who says, what are you doing differently with Facebook ads in relation to the Apple update? I do my own ads, relied heavily on Facebook audiences. Um, I understand the need to wean off of Facebook, but I did really well. Lookalikes were a gold mine, and now they're coal mines. It seems our rep doesn't even know what to do. He tells me to expand the audience. Go broad. Combine AdSense into one AdSense. Combine retargeting and cold audiences. Everything I learned has been thrown out the window. All right, I, I get the frustration for sure. Um, I think this is a, a, a transitional period. I don't think it's going to stay bad like this, but uh, this is where I, I think it would be helpful to manage expectations um, and just keep plugging away at it. But truthfully, I don't know. I'm waiting for the the silver bullet myself. And someone else in the group said, hey, I, I'm having success with it, and here's how. So he has a much saner answer, a much more cogent 
uh, tactical answer than I did. And so uh, Tarek Ahmed says, for folks asking about FB ads, I'm no expert, but just ran our first cold prospecting ad post iOS 14 and had success doing very little targeting. We just excluded all purchasers via a Klaviyo list, our pixel and a Shopify export. That's smart. Uh, and let the Facebook algorithm do its thing. Hmm. Okay. So that sounds like he's using uh, lookalike ads by just taking, all right, here's our uh, all our past purchasers, um, people who visited the site, and just dumping all the source data he had to Facebook and letting them build a new lookalike audience out of it. And he said, our version of success is breaking even on new customer acquisition on their first sale. That's not unusual. Um, now, some of these customers are returning, and we're seeing the ad go into the green versus just breaking even. The biggest thing we learned, make a dedicated landing page for cold audiences so they don't need to parse all the industry jargon we get used to speaking in. Okay, so it sounds like his solution was rebuild the ad set, just start over with it, start with lookalike audience, and give it as much data as you can to start try and just break even on the acquisition ad for the cold customer, send them to a landing page, like a dedicated landing page for those people. And we've got a question about that coming up. So we'll talk through that a little bit. Um, and then from there, he had added, okay, now I just need to figure out retargeting. So, and we know this, uh, we know this gentleman is on Klaviyo. So it sounds like if I could acquire that first customer, okay, now I can move toward my own channels and start marketing to them that way. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15% overnight? This is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Don't worry, Tom Cruise. This mission isn't impossible. Just use Zipify one-click upsell. Got mobile optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions, plus built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Kurt, K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. So, Paul, I saw you fiddling with your All computer, right. so, so I was answering you, that. While you were babbling about Facebook ads that I don't care about, uh, I went over to my uh, Dawn test store, a.k.a. Prairie Dawn, uh, Sesame Street reference, and I exported my test products out of that theme that I have some meta fields on, and the meta fields didn't come in the CSV. So Ooh. I would like it if they worked on that. Yeah, it could be added. Yeah, I also have another minor complaint that the on the product page, the meta fields appear in the reverse order that you created them. So like the first one you made ends up at the bottom and the most recent one you made ends up at the top. And so, I can't sort them? And you can't sort them. So it's like it ends up as like as I'm creating them, as I go down the page design, the one that's at the bottom of the page ends up being the first one because that was the last one I made. Okay. So it's like, I feel like that's going to be confusing for the store owner. I would like to rearrange the order in which meta fields appear on the product listing. So we have two feature requests that related to That was my exact fields. feature request. Shopify, please do that. The We got a question from, from Lids Watson. Uh, I would love to know if you have some up-to-date resources on Google Ads. She wants to double down but can't find anything published later than 2019. 
She wants to tweak her shopping search and retargeting campaigns. Okay, so this is a wildly flippant response, but I Googled Google AdWords 2020 and Google AdWords 2021, and I found several recent and up-to-date resources. So it's not that I don't think you couldn't have done the same thing. I, based on finding that and your question, I suspect you may be at a point where you got you you should consider hiring out for this, where you're you're running into the limits of your own skill set is what it sounded like to me. Okay, well that's mean. That why was it was it supposed <laughs> to be mean? Well, that's another common question we get. It's like, how do I know when to hire out? And I think this is one of those situations. Well, if she's and if she's searching for stuff and she's like, well, it's all it's none of this is new and it's stuff I already already know. And then now you got to hire someone smarter than you. Yeah, yeah. I, but, well, and that's I think the other issue with a lot of. Um, I mean, that's what we do when we have to do something we don't know how to do. We just. Hi- I need someone smarter than me. Yeah. <laughs> no shame in that. That wasn't being mean. <laughs> I'm sorry, Liz. I mean, like based on that question, you already know more about AdWords than I do. Uh, Daniel Mendez, what is your process when you structure the content layout for landing pages? Thanks, Kurt Paul. Talking What's about, up, Kurt Paul? Yeah, Kurt Paul. He's a he's an actor, Kurt Paul. Uh, uh, I think it's you know, it's you just it's just diminishing importance of the stuff. Yeah, it's kind of, it's such an open ended question. Like what you know what goes in a landing page? I don't know. Like how much does a car cost? It's kind of one of those it depends questions. Yeah, but if I'm thinking of this what in terms of like a traditional sales page type landing page then my favorite format is the one laid out by Sean DeSouza in his book, The Brain Audit. And it's step one, agitate the pain, Step where you re- describe to them the problem that they're having that your product solves. Paint a picture of a better future. What would life be like without that pain? It's paragraph two. Paragraph three, present your solution. And then paragraph four, I think it's like social proof. I don't know, there's seven of these things. But there's like social proof and risk reversal. Um, you know, if you just did that approach, that works really well. But that could be in, you could present that, uh, that format will work in a video. That format works as headlines. It works as longer paragraphs. Um, that, and you don't have to do all of it, but when you do that stuff, depending, like, it, it's not going to work for everything. Like, if I'm just selling RoboCop t-shirts, this isn't going to work, right? And I'm sure, you know, some people have seen those Instagram ads. Is the, is the painter problem? I don't have enough RoboCop t-shirts. <laughs> I currently own zero RoboCop t-shirts. Which is just shocking to me. I have owned RoboCop t-shirts in the past. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I just have one addition to that. I mean, I'm thinking about it in terms of a product page, I guess, and not a landing page, which is what he asked. But I think there should still be like a you could buy this right now ability right at the top of the page. Because this is like part of, if this is part of a remarketing campaign, I mean, this is not cold traffic. These are new people. They might, Sticky product form. They might already be sold. I hate sticky things, though. They take up so much screen real estate. Yeah, they eat up the viewport real quick. Especially on phones. Holy jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like up top, I want a quick little, oh, you just want to buy this right now? Buy it right now. I'm not going to make you scroll down through, you know, 5,000 pixels worth of jabber before I let you buy it. And then it becomes like, all right. Why, what's the most likely reason they didn't buy yet? And then address that. And then, okay, what's the most likely reason they didn't buy after that? Address that. And you just kind of work your way down busting objections 
as they go farther down the page. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's very tough. It's not a thing you're going to know unless, you know, obviously you have your value proposition that you've defined for your product, but you really can't dial it in and do it perfectly and just whip it out whenever you want without knowing what the actual buyers thought about before they bought it. Yeah, how you think about your product uh, turns out rarely what your buyers think. Like you have no idea, you actually have no idea what the top objection is. You think you know what it is and you might be right, but you could be wrong too. That's right, you gotta mine, mine your live chat. Yeah, you need- Talk to people, yeah, you gotta surveys. Post-purchase surveys, that sort of stuff. So you gotta know what decisions you need to trip in order to get people to do it. Uh, Anthony Watts, how do you promote subscriptions without getting pushy? Uh, get pushy? Yeah. Define pushy. Uh, sell people on it. Isn't advertising pushy? This is, yeah, anytime someone say like, well, I don't want to be pushy, well, then you probably should You're not- not going to make it. Be in marketing. Um, you, know, you go with the, the- Marketing is in itself a little bit shameless in a best case scenario. So define how, how, what level of shameless you're comfortable with. Add 10% on that, make yourself a little uncomfortable, and then go with that. But I think uh, subscriptions are notoriously hard to sell because people understand it's a much bigger commitment. It's no longer a one-time purchase of 20 bucks. I'm now committing to giving you 20 bucks uh, for the rest of forever in my head. And so I, I really think it, subscriptions are largely about convenience and being there at the right time. So if I wanted to sell subscriptions without being pushy, the way I would do it is really um, by f just following up uh, consistently via email, so probably a Clavio flow, um, to people who have purchased in the past, whatever product I'm offering on subscription. I think that's the solution. And once you, uh, this is the thing I, we talked about yesterday, we were looking into a subscription box for someone. I feel like it's really important that once you've done it for two months, you've already been running the subscription box. You got to have on that page, previous subscribers got, here's what was in the box in March. Here's what was in the box in April. Like I want an idea of what I'm going to be getting for my money. Like an actual defined thing, not just like a fun bag of stuff every month. Well, I don't. What's a fun bag of stuff? Are you just sending me marbles? I mean, well, tell me exactly what I'm going to be getting. Do you do you have any subscriptions or subscription boxes? Uh, like a physical good subscription? No, never. Okay, I have. We have our our Hello Fresh, which really we only got back into that when we stopped eating meat. We didn't know what to eat, mm. and so in that case, it solved a pain or problem for us. And that's why we did the subscription. Outside of that, I've tried to do these convenient subscriptions where it's like, oh, you're going to get coffee or I'm going to subscribe and save to cat litter. And it, I never get the timing right. I always end, feel like I've got too much of the stuff or too little. And so I always cancel it. I think subscriptions are really hard. So if you're, you're having trouble with it, I wouldn't beat yourself up over it. I think it, it's the nature of the beast. I think part of the magic of the classic subscription box like um, BarkBox and what was the was the makeup one. Oh, I don't remember. Part of the magic of those is like, you're getting like a fun little surprise every month. And like, who knows what it's gonna be, but it's gonna be great. But as part of the convincing them that it's going to be a fun surprise every month, you gotta show them what came in the previous month. So they go, oh, that would be nice to get every month. And not just like, trust me, 
Give me 20 bucks. Trust me. Yeah, this is one where you got to lean on social proof and past wins. Yeah. If you're doing a one of those traditional boxes. I like doing a subscription box. We'll move on from subscription boxes soon. Um, I like the idea of doing it around a a social theme. So I saw one, was introduced to one yesterday uh, by by you and Jake Starr for Recycled Firefighter. The burn box, which is you pay a monthly fee and then you get uh, product or products from firefighter owned businesses specifically. So it's like, all right, I'm not, yeah, I'm getting a cool thing that I like. I'm also supporting a cause or a, a person that I like. Mm-hmm. I think and, that's the other way to go around it. Yeah. And then, like, you get like a firehouse sub that's been sitting in a box for five days. <laughs> I don't think they were sending sandwiches. <laughs> Uh, Liz Watson is back. Any advice on product demo videos? We have very short ones, just showing what the product is like and getting it out of the box for 15 seconds. We are trying to work out whether we add in explainer videos straight to the camera talking about the product and what it can be used for that are friendly, or is it better to go with a lifestyle polished video? Porque no dos? <laughs> Excellent. Espanol. <laughs> I greatly enjoyed it. I'm sorry, Pablo. Uh, well, Why I think- not both? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Why not both? Um, probably just because of the effort involved in producing the videos, in which case I'd say knock it down to your, your top three products, start there, and then just expand to you know, the top 10% of your product catalog. But, all right, if you really want, I liked your answer. My, when I looked at this question, my immediate thought was produce both videos for your top product, put them both on the page, and then I'm using Google Optimize oh. to, re- to test which one performs best. Because you know what? I absolutely I love Google Optimize. The answer is always test. Oh, man, wrong one. I hit the wrong. <laughs> test it. Let's test it. Use it. Google. It doesn't. All right. Let's uh, lay down. Well, my thought, that's a, that's a better thought. First of all, you could just know what the better answer is right there. All you do is just make two videos. Make the pick one product, make the friendly video, and then make the cool video, and Google optimize split test one is, and see which one sells more. My thought process is as a rule of thumb: the closer they're getting to the purchase moment, you want the friendlier video. So I think the cool, stylish, lifestyle polished video that's on like your homepage, but on the product page, we're now your friend and we're showing you how this can improve your life or you put the lifestyle video on the collection page too could work yeah lifestyle page in the collection yeah that what i'm saying is i think on the product page i've already been so, kind of sold that it's i'm in that i'm now intrigued by this and now let's let the rubber hit the road and actually learn some real shit about it yeah give whereas, me the hard the specs the hard specs whereas farther away from the purchase moment uh you need to convince me to even be more interested in this I just pulled that out of my ass, though. So just, you know just, what? just I... Google Optimize split test it and prove me wrong. <laughs> split test it's always the answer. Love split testing so much. Uh, Andrew Paul has two separate questions. Number one, you've actually here, I'm going to give this one to you. Number two, you've mentioned having advertisements, promotions lead to dedicated landing pages. All right. Yeah, we talked about that. We regularly host sales on specific collections. Okay. How would you suggest creating a dedicated sales page? for a collection that converts well without messing with theme code, i.e. duplicating templates. You don't. You don't. You either get to have a cool, dedicated sales page 
on your collection listing or you or you don't mess with your collection listing. You can't have a cool dedicated special collection listing page and not also change it. <laughs> like I I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> you could build uh yeah, I think no matter what you're messing with theme templates and code. Yeah, make a new template and if you I mean you can make all your collection pages look this way if you want to, which is fine by me, but I mean it, it's not going to be like a special well, this also, I mean, this really depends on, we don't know what he's trying to do. And so if it's like a, spe oh, we have a dedicated, uh, like, flash sale page, it sounds like. I mean, I'll say, I'll just tell you right now, the standard collection template, all it has is the collection title, you get like a banner image, and then you get the collection description, and then it's a grid of products. If you want more than that on a collection page, you got to make a new collection page. An alternate collection template. Yeah, or you got to make a separate page and Zipify or whatever, or hire someone to make a page template and set it all out. If I want this thing to really pop, really the for in this specific scenario, I think the only thing I need here is a countdown timer indicating that this sale is temporary and going to end, and that I could probably just jam that into the collection description. You can't because you can't put JavaScript in the collection description. Aha! I'm going to use a free service I love <laughs> called Sendtrick. S-E-N-D-T-R-I-C. It will generate a styled countdown timer for me using by it just makes an animated GIF counting down based on when it was loaded. And then I just put that image right into my collection description. Boom. That is gross. Oh, that works so well. It's so it's clean. It's straightforward. It that just works. Gross. Um, but no, I love the idea, dude. But uh, yeah, edit your theme templates. You're not going to you're not going to get around this problem without editing a template. Sorry. Well, and he didn't want to duplicate templates. That that one's not bad. Like, Out of the Sandbox has an article on how to do it. It has a screencast video showing you how. I promise if you're going to start with theme editing, which is scary, I get it. Yeah. This is, this is the task to try it But I'm, I'm just saying in terms of a collection template, he's, he, what he really wants is a page template. He doesn't want a collection template. But if he does want to do a collection template, he's going to have to make a duplicate and hack the shit out of it. Because the current collection template gives you four things. There you go. You get your four things. Yeah. Or throw a landing page builder at it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he also wanted to know about the opportunity of mega menus. Can you give it, give it, and explain it to a five-year-old definition of a mega menu, and any examples of sites doing it really well? A mega menu is just when you hover over the main navigation. There's like a drop-down, but instead of it being five text links, it's a giant full-screen block of like multiple lists of text links or like images or straight up product listings and stuff like that, a, the, the hover dropdown in your menu is a big wide thing with a bunch of cool shit in it. That's a mega menu. I've explained it to, explained it to the five-year-old. The, yeah, the difference is a standard menu is a list, and if we're fancy, occasionally it has sublists in it. Ooh. The mega menu, meaning we took that same concept and now we really designed the heck out of it. With like it has its own little custom layouts. It's like cards that open, you know, that show you what's what's available as opposed to just a text list. Okay. The other half of that question was any examples of sites doing it really well? Uh, I don't know. My brain's fried on that one. Uh, I don't know. Huckberry. Asutra's got a nice one. Um, Adams has a has a good one. Adams polishes. Yeah. Asutra.com. Asutra.com. Uh, check out uh, Huckberry's is really like. It opens, and it's a series of nicely laid out lists. It's a pretty straightforward mega menu. You could build something similar in a, a modern theme like Turbo or Flex. 
uh, Nathan James, free shipping. Uh, we offer free shipping. Uh, we're contemplating adding a minimum threshold for free shipping. Uh, any orders under the threshold will pay a small fee like five bucks. Uh, our concern is that could push customers to instead purchase from Amazon where shipping is free and blah, 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 blah. Uh, are we overthinking this? Well, I mean, I assume you're doing it. You're adding the minimum threshold because you're going to like lose money on the order. And if the alternative to I don't want to lose money on the order, but then they might go to Amazon. Well, you don't want them to buy where you lose money on it. <laughs> so who cares? And I mean, yeah, minimum shipping threshold. That's fine. Well, I think they're thinking of it in terms of you know, total top line revenue as a function of average order value. The idea being that if I have a higher free shipping threshold, that increases my average order value and my overall revenue. He's saying like, okay, my, my order, my total number of orders won't change, but my average order value will drop. And I think, I think that thinking um, is dangerous because the chances are your total number, your average order value may drop, but your total number of orders will probably go up because we have, we have lowered the barrier to entry. Shipping, unexpected shipping cost is the thing that gets, that gets people to abandon checkouts. But I don't think he has. He's already giving free shipping. He's just now going to put in a threshold for free shipping. Now you have to order at least, he's currently doing free shipping for everyone. And now he's thinking like, oh, okay, you got to be higher than like 10 bucks to get free shipping. And he's oh. worried that that'll make people mad and leave. And what I'm saying is if an order is less than 10 bucks or whatever the number is, you're worried. You're, he says to protect our margins. Well, if your margin is getting eliminated, those were shitty people that were costing you money anyway. So who cares if they leave? Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, I misunderstood. You're right. He's The free shipping threshold is $0 currently. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, should we just raise it? And everything below that is just a flat fixed cost of five bucks. Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah, the answer is yes, do that. That would be very typical. And even like, okay, if you're at zero now and this freaks you out, move it to 25. I bet it makes zero difference. But real, like, I would look at your average order value now and use your average order value as your guiding light. Whatever the AOV is, that becomes your free shipping threshold. Well, that leads us into our next question from Tariq Ahmed. After analyzing a year's worth of shipping data, we've realized we can reduce our minimum order threshold for free shipping significantly. We can cut it from 150 bucks to 75 bucks to get free shipping, which, holy shit, what are you selling that you got? It's 150 bucks to get free shipping. Jeez. Uh, I'm worried that we'll see an AOV drop without a commensurate increase in orders. Uh, how do we determine if lowering our shipping threshold is the right move? Uh, I recall there was a rule of thumb at this that your free shipping threshold should be like five bucks more than your average order value. And then that, that like pays off in the end because people will buy another 10 bucks worth of stuff to just get over the free shipping. Yes. But that might be wrong. Oh, no, that's the thing you should do? Yes. <laughs> All right. There's yeah, the, again, use that average answer, order value. There's the answer for everyone. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, the 150 freaked you out. Tactical baby gear, the free shipping threshold is 100 bucks. It's 99 well, but you're not you're not walking out of there. But yeah, their products are their about flag, 100 bucks. Their flagship products are like 100 bucks. Yeah. I mean, they do sell stuff that's only like 15, but they're like accessories. Yeah. Uh All right, so wait. So let's just I I like You know there's an app to figure this out. Okay. Ship Scout, it's called. I've used it. It works as advertised. I you have to be on Plus, at least when I used it, it required Plus. And uh it absolutely worked to let you split test free shipping thresholds. Now, there's other ways to split test-free shipping thresholds with um, inside, like, Google Optimize, 
but none is great. None's like really clean, and I wouldn't necessarily trust the data. Um, I think this is one of those things. If you're on Plus, use Ship Scout to figure it out. If you're not on Plus, just use your your AOV as your guide and you know compare compare months um, and and take more, it with a grain of salt. Let's go with more than a month, but. Um... So I like walking away with an actionable rule of thumb that we're going to start with. That's like our first, our, our initial thought. So our initial thought is take whatever your average order value is, mm-hmm. add five bucks, 10%. Do you have an idea? $5 or 10%. I want, it should be a round number. Okay. Five bucks or 10%. And that is now your free shipping threshold. If your average order value is 50 bucks, your free shipping threshold is now 55 bucks. Yes. And- that will nudge everyone to spend a little bit more, and it raises your average order value. Yes. And unlike Nathan, you're not going to get killed on your margins getting slaughtered by people making low uh, revenue purchases. Both cameras just stopped. Okay. Well, bye, YouTube. Bye. <laughs> bye, YouTube. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, let's let's wrap it up there fine, sir. All right, that sounds good. All right, bye, Paul. All right, bye. When people ask in my Facebook group what theme they should use, I always see people recommend Flex. Why? Because it's the Swiss Army knife of Shopify themes. It comes with everything you need right out of the sandbox. Flex is truly one of the most flexible themes in the market. It's got customizable CSS within the theme editor to give you more creative control without breaking your theme's code. And it comes packed with 10 mega menu navs with six columns each. Whew, that's a lot of stuff. And to make it even sweeter, Out of the Sandbox has been in the e-com game for over a decade, providing some of the best customer experience in the industry. Head over to outofthesandbox.com unofficial to get started on your dream store today. The link's in the show notes. And don't forget to use the discount code KURT20, that's K-U-R-T-2-0, for 20% off your theme purchase. And with their 14-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. Thanks for listening.